Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. And we are coming to you directly after a nil-nil draw with West Brom, which could only be described as really 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 boring my name is jack collins and i will be your host today and i'm joined by joe sanson hello mr nathan martin hello y'all and of course mr farrell monk what's up bringing it back i'm not sure i think that's probably the most exciting thing that's happened in the last three hours i'm literally trying to brighten up some some people's evenings because you know i've decided after that game I'll crack open a beer and a half, and I think it's affected me already. Oh, I was wondering if you were going to be uh, you're going to be that far. Farrell, I'm going to come to you first because you are, of course, going to be secretary today, uh, and you are going to do our three word reviews. What have you got for me? Uh, so I'm going to start off, and I'm going to open this up because I actually don't understand this one. So, but it did get a lot of likes. But Sophie, <laughs> John- Sophie Johnson's yes, Kenneth Adoy. Did I miss something in the bil- in in the in the comments? Oh, oh, I heard this. What is this? Oh, they they called him Kenneth Adoy, and I had a conversation about this because I wasn't sure whether they said came off Adoy or Kenneth Adoy, and I spent about ten minutes debating it, and then the match ended. I like how that's <laughs> probably the most important thing that's happened in the match today. Definitely the most entertaining thing that's happened in the game today. I hope so. so. I hope yeah, someone sent a question. I hope someone sent it a question debating on Kenneth Adoy or not, because, you know, we are going to be struggling for a bit of content. Uh, carrying on, um, Frank Miller, uh, Frank Miller 05 with goalless, not soulless. And finally, our um, our friends at the Leeds podcast, all stats, aren't we? Because I can totally get on board with this. Would marry Reed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that seems like a fair enough place to start. And I'm going to come to you first, Joe. Harrison Reed. Just unbelievable again today. It just seems to get better and better every game. And and frankly, without a few of his kind of crucial interceptions in the middle, we could have been in real trouble. He provides so much drive, so much energy, but also so much cover in the middle when we're left exposed. Yeah, he's he's just brilliant to have, and he's been brilliant every single game since since the break. And um, there was a block in the second half which he made, which I just thought was it was destined for a West Brom goal. Can't remember who it was shooting at the edge of the box. Hal Robson Carnu. Oh, uh, Robson Carnu. And I thought he was destined to score when he came on because they said something about him scoring quite a lot against us. I think most of those were for Reading um, in one game. <laughs> um, um, but no, I, th- I thought he was just brilliant. And in the first half, it seemed like Pereira was trying to wind him up. I'm sure we'll come on to Pereira because he wound me up. Um, but Reed is just, he's like a breath of fresh air. You just feel so comfortable with him in front of the defence and going forward as well. Yeah, I mean... Nathan, the, uh, he's man of the match again. I think that's probably five, potentially six <laughs> games in a row where Harrison Reed has been on man of the match. And I think that says it all really, doesn't it? It does. It does. And um, I have to say it was um, the, the great commentator over here in the UK, um, Mick, um, not Mulvaney <laughs> as I originally thought, the uh, US South Carolinian, I think, um, Senator, but uh, Mick McCarthy, who was applauding um, Harrison Reed when he he made that tackle that Joe was talking about, but um, you know, it just just Harrison was all over the pitch. He was he was throwing himself into tackles. He just hoovered things up in the midfield, and you know it's it's he's he's been one of the best bright spots for this side uh, since January, since the restart. 
And, um, he, you know, he was that again today. He, he, he was very bright and sort of um, supporting Anima and Reed in the, in the midfield. Um, but he also did what he needed to do in terms of, um, you know, tracking back and, uh, and, and, and causing problems for West Brom. So, yeah, again, well-deserved man of the match and um, would love to see him on a permanent contract. Absolutely. He he was a bright spot. Um, but Farrell, let's address perhaps the saddest bit of today. Which is, um, <laughs> that we are now five points off West Bromwich Albion with two games to play in the championship. And the facts are that that is probably the death of Fulham's automatic hopes, uh, would you say? Yeah. And I mean, I was going to carry on with that music that kind of sounded like as if <laughs> Fulham, were, had, Fulham had the bindle over their shoulder as they're walking away from their family home for the for the last time or off into the sunset, <laughs> waving goodbye to their parents <laughs> to the Premier League uh, for another year. Um, but yeah, it is it is a shame that it's ended this way. But you know what I would have loved to have seen uh, from the Whites today is at least a performance that showed a bit of urgency and showed you know what kind of a size of game that it was. <laughs> Um, I'm going to have this in my head all, all right now. Um, I, I can just stop the dramatic because we're starting, to, we're starting to lose quite a salient point in the, uh, right. in the it's moment. Very, it's very dramatic that you're losing um, right now. I was just humming but along. Yeah, it was, it was like, as, as, as the game wore on, you think, okay, you know, time's, time's ticking over. Let's show, a bit of, let's show a bit of drive. Let's show a bit of potency. You know, the only one person on the pitch that I thought had that huge amount of, like, eagerness to... to you know, try and make something from the game was Anthony Knockhart, although, you know, he, he didn't yeah. really um, cause, you know, a huge amount of issues for, for the opposition defences. It kind of reminded me, that whole performance, it kind of reminded me of Cardiff, Cardiff's performance against Fulham at the end of last season where, you know, they needed to get a result out of that game. Otherwise, um, otherwise that was their, you know, staying up hopes were gone. And it was only really within the last five minutes that they actually ever pre- pressed us. And I remember saying at the time to my friends, like, if I was, if I was Neil Warnock, I mean, I wouldn't want to be Neil Warnock, but if I was Neil Warnock, <laughs> I would be absolutely fuming at those players. And if I was a Cardiff fan, I would have been fuming at the players because that was a that was that was the the game to actually show some some real sort of bottle. And and tonight, I kind of feel that way. I mean, it's probably a bit dramatic. Um, in that regards, but you know, straight after the game, I did feel a lot quite frustrated towards the end of it. You know, um, there were some some chances, but some very half chances. Um, and I sort of what what kind of annoys me a little bit more than anything is that yeah, we are kind of we are used to the fact that we like to slow down play, and that kind of has you know that's the way we play, and we've got to get used to it. Was the amount of chances that when we did get into good positions, we did waste it. We wasted a lot of times to actually sort of make something of it and that's the biggest frustration for me yeah i think that's fair enough i mean someone you mentioned there was anthony knockout and he was going to be one of my next ports of call and i'm going to come to you on this joe because uh, our very own design wizard here at, at fulhamish adam tweeted something during the game where he said that it wasn't necessarily just him but knockout's performances have actually improved i think since he signed his permanent contract and look his final ball today was desperate i think we'd all agree on that aside from the type where he he sort of struck the struck the woodwork with, with that volley. Even the ball across to Cavalero that got headed across the line was over here. And it was, you know, it was a lot of huff and puff and no real end product. But that said, when Fulham did look a bit insipid, he was the only man who was kind of 
driving the ball up the pitch. And we do miss those kind of ball carriers in the middle. And he, he very much was that. Yeah, definitely. He was the only player when he got on the ball, I was actually, well, not on the edge of my seat, but, you know, slightly further forward than the back. And, you know, I mean, we saw Scott Parker's post-match thoughts saying um, that it was quite difficult because he didn't have anyone to bring on attacking-wise from yeah. the bench. He was definitely the brightest spark on the pitch. We I think we got a bit unlucky with the fact that Cavalero went off because then our one attacking option, Cabano, came on much earlier than we probably would have wanted him to. What I don't understand is um, why we didn't have any other younger attackers on the bench just just to try. I mean, we had Stansfield. I mean, Jasper's had a few a few tries in less important games. I'm not sure why he didn't give them a go, but um, that's another point. Knockhart, I think ever since he signed the contract, has been a much improved player going forwards and defensively as well. I think his work ethics um, improved a lot in terms of not just passion for the sake of it, but actually really good blocks, tracking back, helping out his fullback and um Hopefully he can he can continue like that into the playoffs. I'd like to point out, like I think I'm I'm starting to understand why Parker likes Knockart. I mean, we're obviously building a team with a very solid defensive base, and multiple times um, in that game this evening, that Knockart was very very quick to get back, very quick to get into shape, and mm. you know intercept passes and make tackles and really hassle and harry and stop attacks happening. And if that's the basis for your team, then Knockhart is kind of like the perfect foil because not only can he stifle attacks, but he can actually bring the, the ball forward. I'm not saying that that's the, the way that I would go necessarily, but if that's the system we're playing, then he is good for us. Yeah, no, it does make sense. I mean, also, uh, there were some weird things today because, yes, Knockhart was a bright spark. I thought Cabano, actually, when he came on, seemed to have the beating of the fullback every time, Nathan, and mm. actually... We, the fact that we didn't go to him down that left-hand side a little bit more surprised me because, you know, he had him all hands down, really. Yeah, once Cav came off with the, um, I think as Sky said, the uh, the hamstring injury, you know, it was a bit of a shame because Cabano did seem to have a, have the make of the um, the defender on that side of things. And I, yeah, we, we, we didn't seem to utilize him. I, th- I thought actually it was really depressing because I thought the first half, you know, was, was actually like I watched it and I sort of said, you know, Fulham were in a really good position where I would, if I, you know, put money on the match, I would have put it on Fulham because we sort of absorbed the pressure, sort of like settled into the game. And I would have, you know, expected us to see something on, on the attack. And and we just, the second half was was just such a waste. And Cabano, whether it was Cabano, whether it was Knockhart, whether it was, you know, Mitro, whoever, we just, we just really had nothing going forward. And I, I agree with Faz or Farrell, you know, th- th- that seeing Knockhart in the defense, like, you know, yes, he had a few lovely uh, moments going forward, but he also brought himself back and and really, you know, covered things up on the back line. Um, but the but the second half was just you know the only way that you can define it is just a waste of opportunity, and it was a waste for set pieces. It was a waste of individual play, um, and even though you know this side is 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 higher than us in the table, there's no reason we shouldn't have come away with three points. Yeah, for sure. And Joe, I mean, it's something that Nathan mentioned there was set pieces. And I, I thought while we were limp today, that, you know, our best attacking threats came from corners, which is something we don't say very often. Mitrovic had the beating of Agassi, it seemed, at corners. He got three headers away at goal mm. uh, over the course of the game. And they were, aside from knockout strike out of the blue, you know, the, the cannon, the woodwork, 
they were the very much our, our best opportunities to score. I think. Yeah, and I think the Cardiff game the other day was, um, I think it was Christie that had a free header. It was the first time in a while that I thought we looked quite dangerous and I thought we really brought that into today's game as well. It was a shame that at the very end um, we started be- uh, hitting the first man in the last few corners and free kicks yeah. or straight into Johnson's hands because until then I thought our delivery was pretty good. Um, I was saying to a couple of friends of mine that um, when I saw the team news, I went to West Brom's team news and they were talking about Hagazi being in, back in for Bartley. And even though I do think that Mitrovic had the better of Hagazi most of the time, I think if Bartley plays that game instead of Hagazi, we win that 1-0 with one of these freak chances like in the first half because I thought Hagazi cleared everything up quite well eventually. Um, and he seemed to be the one out of the two centre-backs sort of controlling Mitrovic. And it's just a shame that um, one of those headers didn't sneak in because every time that there was a set piece, even though they're quite a large side, you know, they've got players like Livermore um, and Ajay, um, I really thought that we were going to win those headers and a lot of the time we did. Yeah, I mean, that's it. And something that we alluded to earlier, Farrell, that I wanted to come to you as a man with, with a little bit of dabbled experience in the managerial field yourself. <laughs> um, is, was the, the options or lack of options, shall we say, for, for, for Scott Parker today, it felt painful, didn't it? It was, you know, I know he picks the bench and he had the opportunities, as was mentioned earlier, to bring in the likes of Stansfield, Jasper, even Carvalho or, or, or Della Torre, who seemed to come out of nowhere a little bit but you know ultimately he's he's picked a, a bench which had you know much more experience and you look at the West Brom bench and the stre- strength and depth it had on it uh, in a, in attacking kind of senses uh, and you did feel a little bit sorry for Parker in some ways yeah i do um uh but we're not in this situation by accident um you know obviously a lot has happened since january in the january transfer window um, we kind of opted to keep a, keep hold of our current squad rather than really sort of expand. The only person I can really remember coming in was was Michael Hector, and he was signed all the way back in in August September time, whatever. But um, you know, it's I think we're kind of looking into the subs bench quite a lot more now because of the expanded bench that we're allowed to have. Um, you know, we named what nine subs this evening. And it kind of does actually show where our sort of attacking weakness is because, you know, we are chopping and changing quite a lot at this at this stage of the season, especially in positions. Well, I mean, if you look at where Fulham have been successful um, in the part, you know, in the two seasons bef- um, before we went up, that we had a very, very settled lineup, especially in the last two, three months of the season. You know, before that, under Slavisa, he kind of, we had that Slav bingo for quite a lot of the time. But apart from that, it was really sort of we knew who was going to be playing and when more often than not. This season, especially in the in the wing positions, we're not entirely sure. Even in the sort of uh, number eight position, if you can say that, with you know mixing it up with Arta and and Onomar today. Um, but yeah, when you're looking at that subs bench that we started with, there's no real sort of um, increased guile or, or match or match winningness, if you can make up a term, to come on the pitch apart from Niskin's Cabano. Um, and you know we were had that enforced change, and apart from that, you you know there's no real sort of out and out attackers there. But you know, to to Scott Parker's um, detriment we are missing two of our two of our sort of better attackers in in Kenny and and Abubakar Kamara dare I say it um you know it would have been nice to have yeah, Kamara, no, to, Kamara to call on 
um, you know, with 15, 20 minutes to go today, he probably would have caused a hell of a lot more problems. But, you know, that's unfortunately, that's the position we're in, you know, under normal circumstances to, to his credit, a nil-nil draw against the team who aren't, who is in second is not a bad result. For sure. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm going to take it away from, from this game a little bit, but let's look at this in a, in a kind of more general sense, Joe. And if you look at it, you know, where we are now, we're in the playoffs. There's going to be no, there's going to be no late rally for, for a championship automatic spot, I don't think. And, I will, you know, you can, you can strike me down if that does happen, but uh, I, I'm willing to put enough money that we're not going to, to reach second spot. It means we've got, you know, the playoffs to come. And whether West Brom flip this and they, and they actually do drop this and bottle it, which, you know, I can see happening because they weren't actually very good today, or whether it's Brentford, we've got, some things to be very, very positive about. And one of them is the fact that we are not conceding goals at the moment. We are very much a, you know, a very tight defensive unit and we looked confident and comfortable again for the majority of today. Yes, a couple of half chances um, in in the second half, but really for for the majority of the game, we look very comfortable and that's got to be a good thing going into knockout football. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things I was worried about today was that we started a bit slowly against Cardiff, but then well, actually started slowly against quite a few teams. Today, I thought we started really well and I thought the confidence sort of oozed through the team in the first half. And I think the Nottingham Forest game last week was a bit of a turning point for me because until then, I thought we were a bit soft, you know, one goal and then suddenly it all just falls apart. But I really do think, to, to Scott's credit, he's really made us quite um, quite solid and very hard to break down. And I really do see that as a good thing for the playoffs because in the past, I'll never forget the Reading two-legged affair when they basically just defended well, got a bit of luck and got through. And it's quite nice now that we, yeah, we can play the nice football, but if we need to, we can dig in and we can just grind out results. Yeah, sure. Nathan, how do you see the rest of it playing out? Obviously, Sheffield Wednesday next and and then Wigan, who are coming off the back of (laughs) an 8-0 win over Hull City today. I know. Um, But are also kind of scrapping for their lives with with this 12-point deduction sort of hanging over them a little bit. Um, They're not going to be easy opponents either, especially given current circumstances. Well, with Wigan, I'd just love to know, you know, what kind of money is shifting around in the Asian markets on Wigan right now in terms of, uh, you know, uh, on the results and what's kind of being betted right now. But, um, you know, like, look, we're, we're, we're going to go into the playoffs. We are not playing the same type of football that we did under Slav. Anything that can happen, you know, we've got two legs in the first round. And then, you know, if we're lucky, a final. And um, you know, the way things are right now, we're, 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 we're sort of like we're, we're not clocking along like a sort of, a, a, you know, a thoroughbred like we were under Slav. But we are, you know, sort of we've got our own sort of weird identity and, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. I know what's going to happen in the playoffs, but I wouldn't bet on us, but I also wouldn't bet against us. We're sort of on the weird 50, 50 um, place right now. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an interesting few weeks ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I think there's, there's something to be said in the fact that look at this squad and you look at Mitrovic, and you look at uh, Adoy, you look at Ream, you look at Bettinelli on the bench, you look at McDonald, Cabano, Johansson, Cyrus Christie, Stephen Sessignon, all part of a squad that have been promoted already. You know, and, and, and add to that, Anthony Knockhart, 
and Ivan Cavallero, who have both been promoted from the division in, in different circumstances. And suddenly you've got a team that looks like it knows how to handle itself at, at the sharp end of a season. And look, Farrell, I'm not saying that these players are, are, are the players that will take us up or any of these things, but you actually do look at that going into the playoffs and think, OK, this isn't a team unblooded in situations like this. Yeah, absolutely. I've been saying it for a little while that that's kind of in our benefit. You know, you you add to that Marcus Bettinelli as well, who is obviously a big voice in the dressing room, considering how long he's been at the club as well. Um, you know, these are all players that have been there and done that. And as we know, it does become habit for some of these players, you know, winning things. And especially in tournament football, because that's what we're going into. Plus, also... You know, there are sort of like lots of doom and gloomers there. I think that Fulham are particularly well set up considering that, you know, you look at the table right now, Fulham are 77 points. That's a pretty good total for where we are. You know, there's a lot of people saying it's a weak league. We're only in position because we're actually not in that um, because the points total doesn't reflect how, how, you know, not as good we are. But, you know, we're not there by accident. It's 44 games down. But, you know, if you look at it at the moment, there are 12 points in between Fulham and, and Cardiff, who are sitting in sixth at the moment. That's a huge gap. You know, when you think about looking at Wigan, who are now, you know, that administration 12-point gap from their from their relegation. But that's a huge, a huge gap, and that's a huge performance gap over the whole season. Yes, the playoffs are a little bit of a lottery, but the statistics show that the team in third or fourth does go up more often than the other ones. So I think that Fulham are certainly in a good position. And it's not like we we have a team that's, ravaged by injuries it's not like we're a team out of form you know we're actually potentially going into this as one of the better form teams you know we're now unbeaten in five haven't conceded in seven and a half hours or whatever it is that's not a bad thing to go into and obviously what was it Huddersfield when they went up uh, the season before we did I think they didn't did they not score a goal in the entire playoffs or something like that or am I yeah they didn't score they scored. They didn't score a goal in in normal time in normal the playoffs. Time. They scored an uh, a goal in extra time oh, to again, send them through Wednesday. against Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, and then they scored. They won a penalty shootout at Wembley. Yeah. So I mean, it is different. You know, I think this is something that we're getting used to as Fulham fans, especially with the success under Slavisa with free flowing attack, attack, attack kind of football, stifle the opposition, and you know, create as many chances as possible. This is a. This is you know, the same, you know, nucleus of a football club and just, you know, um, a different style that we're that we're just having to get used to. If that's the way that Scott Parker envisage us getting results and being hard to beat, um, then so be it. That's that's the results game that we're in. And having that same squad going through into the playoffs and on good form. So, you know, I think we're not in a bad position as we as we think we are, especially taking points away from West Brom and we didn't play that badly against Brentford once you look back on it no although the collapse does worry me although potentially that's to do with fitness as well at the end right let's take a look forward to the next two games to Sheffield Wednesday and to that final day against Wigan we'll be back just after the break would you like the latest Fulham breaking news straight to your phone I thought you might if so sign up to the Fulhamish WhatsApp channel and you'll receive regular match day updates transfer updates breaking FFC news and podcast alerts it's 100% free and you can opt out anytime if you want. To sign up, go to fullamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp and follow the instructions. That's fullamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp. 
Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Jack Collins and I am joined by Farrell Monk. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Nathan Martin. <laughs> hello, hello. And Joe Sadsom. Hello. Well, Joe, I'm, I'm going to come to you first and I've, okay. I've got a, a question. So you are Scott Parker, right? I'm putting you in position. We are currently 10 points, as Farrell mentioned in the first half of the podcast, clear of sixth place Cardiff. Nottingham Forest play tomorrow. They're currently eight points behind us. They could be five they might well be eight, seeing as they're playing in form Swansea uh, below them. But the question kind of remains, what do you do now? Do you rotate your squad? Because we've seen Tom Kearney limp off at Birmingham with a hamstring injury. We've seen Ivan Cavallero limp off today with a hamstring injury. And rumours that swirling around the club suggest that Abubakar Kamara might have torn his car. Now, we spoke quite Length at a length in that first half about how Scott Parker doesn't really have any attacking options to bring off the bench, and we're going into the clutch part of the season, the playoffs. Right? Do you rotate your squad really heavily for the next two games and bank on it, or do you continue to play and try and build that momentum? I, I would continue to play and build the momentum, but I would make a few like small changes, so it's sort of in the middle. Sorry, um, so for example, um. Uh, I would start Stephen Sessignon. I'd give him a try. Maybe Cyrus Christie, one of the two, ahead of a doy in the next game. Uh, I wouldn't be against trying Mawson ahead of Ream and seeing how he is because you never know they might need to come off the bench. I would basically keep the core of the starting eleven the same. Um, but if it, I mean, we don't we don't need to win these games. It would be brilliant to continue the form, and I still think that should be the priority. But let's say we're drawing and it's a horrible, niggly game against Sheffield Wednesday and Mitrovic is on a yellow or something or they're trying to hurt him. Um, take him off and put Stansfield on and try him out. Um, I would basically not be rigid and think, right, we've got to start the starting eleven that we're going to take into the playoffs. But I wouldn't be afraid um, to, to try new things. Nathan, what are your thoughts? No, I agree with Joe. I think it's exactly right. I think you know we want to keep the sort of core of, of the side that have been playing so well over the last few matches um, together. But particularly when it comes to the attacking side, let's protect the players. You know, Mitrovic he's been off for a few matches with the uh, you know yellow uh, yellow card suspension. Let let him have a bit of time on the pitch. But you know, if, if something gets a bit tricky, pull him off. I would love to see Stansfield have a bit of time on the pitch. Um, and and yeah, just. Just sort of like prepare yourself for the playoffs. These next two matches are, are genuinely just about cohesion. They're about um, trying to create some sort of chemistry for the side. And it's about sort of um, giving yourself options and sort of um, confidence as we go into the last, um, what is it, four, 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 six, six, five games? Yeah, well, it could be. It could Somewhere be. along there. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed we're talking about five games, Dave. Um, Farrell... You know, I, I, the only counter I would put to that is that we've already lost Kearney and now it looks like Cavalero to this. We're starting to run out of players that, you know, will be able to be rotated in those positions. And, and it leaves us short, as it did today, when we didn't have any attacking options on the bench. Is there is that a worry? Yes, it is a slight worry, considering um, that this season we have had considerable injuries, especially, you know, just before Christmas. There was, you know, we had to revert to using Matt O'Reilly and Luca Della Torre in the same match. You know, the, you know, as as much as people um, like them and and whatnot, they were our seventh and eighth choice 
midfielders uh, at that particular time. Um, you know, it's obviously not as bad as that, uh, thankfully. Um, but it does obviously sh- starting to show up how thin we are on the ground. Um, I think considering that we have a fully fit Mitrovic, I just don't think we're going to see someone like Jay Stansfield anytime soon because as we have seen time and time again this season, Scott Parker doesn't really like to chase a game and switch formations up, especially in the at the at the business end of, of the team, um, and try and throw two attackers on. We just we just don't see that at all. Um we have a particular formation and style and that's how it's going to be how it's going to suck to. I don't know what's gonna happen if if, you know, it's the last ten minutes of the playoff final, we need a goal to win, it, it that might change. But I, I we have l- luckily, even with Kearney and now Cavalero and Kamara not available, um, I think we do actually sort of just have enough to sort of survive, considering, you know, we've seen how good Onomar is in the 10 role, which I think I'd prefer him. And we can move Dekadova Reed out onto the left or, or even the right. And then we've got Cabano as well. So I think we're kind of covered in that regard, unless we get another injury or suspension. Um, I just, I just personally, I just don't think we're going to see the extended squad starting games you know, I don't think randomly Kevin McDonald's going to get a, a run out. I just, I don't think that Alfie Mawson will will get a ninety minutes in. I don't think that Stephen Session will get a ninety minutes in. I think we've kind of, I think Scott Parker's shown his hand in the defensive side of things, rotating Adoy and Christie because, you know, in all fairness, they are playing as well as each other. Really, um, you know, I think the we've seen how how safe Scott Parker likes to be and. He's going to go for the safe options, it looks like, between now and the end of the season. Uh, enough. Well, let's finish this off with one last thing. Joe, I'm going to you first, but everybody, you're starting 11 for Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday, please. OK, well, I'd still go Rodak in goal. I'd go Stephen Sessignon at right back. Hector and Mawson, I'd try. Brian, Harrison Reed, Onoma and... Uh, Johansson and then the three up front I'd go with Bobby Reed, Mitrovic and Knockout. Okay. Nathan? Um I would just go with the same as we had tonight, except um, you know, Cavs hurt, so I would love to see uh Cabana back in and um let's bring actually actually, you know, Lavadoy, but I would love to see Christy back in there and give him a bit more experience going into the playoffs and going ahead. So let's go with tonight, but um the slight tweak. And Farrell? Um, I would potentially, I would probably go revert back to Onomar at 10 and then move Dekadova Reed out into the, out into the left, um, and keep Knockart on the right. Cause I think he obviously fits into the system. Like I, I mentioned before and then bring I, Arta back in, but I wouldn't be against Steffi Hansen starting the game. Um, and the only other switch I would make with, I think I would, I'd prefer Christie, uh, at right back instead of a doy at the moment, although it's six of one. Um, but apart from that, all the same. Roll on Sheffield Wednesday, 5-0 win. Thank you very much. I'd actually I'd actually give Harrison Reed a rest. But I'm really concerned that Harrison mm. Reed might get injured. Like, like really concerned about it. And if Harrison Reed gets injured, we may as well just chuck in the towel, like not turn up to Nottingham Forest. Like, because that's how crucial he's become a component part in this all. So I would potentially give I would actually give Kevin McDonald a run out. I'd be like, go on, stroll around for a bit. Yeah. Um, I'd play Christie. I'd play Mawson. 
I think this is the time for a rotation, if there's going to be any, because I think we should go into that last game at Wigan with a team that we're going to take forward. I do think that that's a fair point. But if we if we play Sheffield Wednesday, I still think we're good enough to beat a Wednesday side that aren't playing for anything. They're you know absolutely mid-table, stuck there, cannot do anything. And they are currently nil-nil at halftime with Huddersfield. Literally I think the only really team that all up. I don't to play for. Yeah, they are fully the most done team in this league. They don't care. I would use this time to blood some replacements and uh, and take it there. Right, Farrell, to close this off, will you please give this episode a title? Uh, I'm actually going to go uh, further down the three-word reviews. I spotted one from Andrew Sherman. So we're actually, although the, a lot of them were quite depressing, but we'll go with Andrew Sherman's effective sleep aid. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's very fair enough. Like It's going to be, I don't think any of us gonna going to sleep badly tonight. It's going to be one of those ones where we, we drift off quite easily. Fulham's playoff adventure is very much intact, but our automatic ambitions are very much dead. It is over for Fulham trying to secure a top two spot, but there's plenty more to play. And with seven and a half hours of clean sheet in our bank, well, at least we know that the defence is solid. My name has been Jack Collins. Thank you so much to Farrell Monk. Thank you very much, Jack. Thank you very much to Nathan Martin. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And thank you to Joe Sansom. No worries. Cheers, Jack. We'll be back after the Sheffield Wednesday game. As ever, with the whole shebang, we'll be back with Instagram lives. We'll be back with podcasts. We'll be back with video reaction. Make sure you check out everything coming out of the Fulhamish camp. There is so much content to get through, even when Fulham don't provide that much to talk about. Thanks for listening. Take care. You white. Awesome.